Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. This is Pastor CJ Cousins, and I'm so excited to have this opportunity, this privilege to share the Word of God with you today. And I want to thank my wife, who does all of the uh, background stuff here. And um, man, you know, we're getting closer to that holiday season, and many of you maybe already are playing the Christmas music like we are in our family right now, especially our kids love the Christmas music, the stories about Jesus captured in song. And I just got to tell you, man, I just felt like we really needed to kind of dive into this story, um, perhaps from an angle that we have not always considered. And uh, it's kind of the backdrop to the birth story. And today, I'm approaching it, I'm landing into this story, diving in from Luke chapter 1. So I hope you have your Bibles, you're online, uh, you may have it digitally, or uh, if you're there uh, with your printed version like me, I invite you right now to go to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to dive right into this word. But before we do, I want to ask the one who's going to be the one that's going to be revealed in what we're going to talk about today, to be the one to speak through uh, this vessel. And so let's go ahead and pray right now. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this moment to be in your presence we acknowledge your presence, we welcome your presence, and we ask right now on this Sabbath morning that you would draw near to our hearts and reveal such a compelling picture of your character of love revealed in Jesus that our hearts are aroused, our hearts are pricked, our hearts are drawn to you. And we ask Holy Spirit that you would anoint this word and that you would go forth and that you would communicate this word through the instrument you've chosen today, and that hearts will hear your word and respond to Jesus. We thank you in advance, in Jesus' name, amen. I will never forget the day when my wife walked into the room where I was and gave me the announcement, this exciting announcement says, she said, baby, I'm pregnant. And now you got to understand when I heard those words, I just kind of allowed the, the excitement of that announcement to just wash over me with a flood of emotions. And then I followed up this exciting announcement with a question. You ready for it? I followed it up with, are you sure? To which she replied, well, yes, I'm sure. And then she let me know that she had just taken six tests and all six of them came back positive. 
Well, needless to say, nine months later, we introduced our first child, Tommy, into the world. Well, today we're being ushered in to two of the most famous baby announcements ever recorded in human history. And very much like when my wife told me that we uh, were going to be having a son, and I followed it up with a question, uh, in these two birth announcement stories, uh, they're going to be followed up also with a question. And it's to these two questions that our attention is being drawn today. Luke, as he opens up his gospel about Jesus, he will introduce this story with a pattern of comparing a male and a female and contrasting them as a pattern that he will use throughout his entire book. And then as he does this, we're introduced to Zechariah and we're introduced to Mary. And both of them will have an encounter with Gabriel, who's coming straight from the throne room of God with baby announcements. And what's interesting, as you look at this story in Luke chapter one, you'll notice um, that this comparing contrast is taking place right off the bat between Zechariah and Mary's story, both of them receiving the birth announcement from Gabriel. Uh, but on the surface, if you look at these two stories, you'll kind of maybe draw a conclusion like these are pretty much similar stories. I mean, they seem almost exactly the same. Both of them are troubled at the appearance of the angel Gabriel, to which he has to say to both of them, do not be afraid. Then the angel Gabriel will give the reason for the miracle birth to each of them. To Zechariah, he tells him the child's name would be called John. And then to Mary, he lets her know that her child will also have a J name. Her child's name will be called Jesus. To Zechariah, the angel Gabriel tells him, hey, your son is going to be great. To Mary, he tells her your son is going to be very great. To Zechariah, he tells him that his child will be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. To Mary... He lets her know that your child is going to actually come through the Holy Spirit to your womb. And with these two birth announcement stories, the angel Gabriel will give both Mary and Zechariah, in both cases, the child's mission. And then this is followed by a question. Zechariah will ask a question and Mary will ask a question. But the difference here now is that the angel Gabriel will then provide proof or an explanation. However, Zechariah's question gets rebuked, but Mary's question does not get rebuked. And so what's going on here? For instance, in Luke chapter 1, 18, Zechariah's question regarding Gabriel's baby announcement was, how can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then in Luke 1 verse 34, Mary's question is, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Two questions, but only one rebuke. So now I have a question, and maybe you've had this question too. Maybe you've wondered about this. When it comes to the angel Gabriel's baby announcements, what was the difference between Zechariah's question 
in Mary's question? Well, first, we've got to begin by taking a closer look at Zachariah's story, and then we'll go and look at Mary's story to see what we find. The first thing is, when you are introduced by Luke to Zechariah, you immediately are impressed and you immediately are led to think that if there is anybody that should receive favor from God, it is Zechariah and his wife. Okay, Zechariah is a faithful Levitical priest of the lineage of Abijah. And his wife is a faithful wife, and she is also of the priestly line. She's of the the direct priestly line of Aaron, the Bible says. As a matter of fact, the Bible will actually say of them that they were both righteous in God's eyes. They were faithful to Yahweh. They kept his commandments and his regulations. These were faithful priests and his wife, the priestess of Israel. And we find later on in the story there in Luke, in in chapter 1, that they were anticipating the coming of Messiah, like they were faithful, especially in a time when the other priests were unfaithful. And then we're introduced to Zechariah at a time where he's selected to go to the temple to serve in the holy place, and he's there to offer incense on behalf of a large group of people that are waiting for him to come out and pronounce blessing upon them. They're probably praying for forgiveness and putting their request before the Lord. And it's at this time as this faithful Levitical priest who is now old in age along with his wife and have now, and here's the bombshell that Luke introduces us to in this story. Here's the the thing that catches us off guard is that Uh, They're both up in age. They're faithful to God, but they're barren. They're unable to conceive. And this carries with it social stigma. It's an unfavorable cultural social predicament that they're in. And they've been praying for a very long time to have a son. But now they're well past the age of having children. This should sound very familiar to those of us that are familiar with the story of Scripture. And, and, And so here they are, barren, but faithful. And it's to this Zechariah, it's to this Zechariah that the angel Gabriel shows up inside of the temple, inside the holy place. Now watch this. He's standing on the right side, right-hand side of the altar of incense. As Zechariah is serving there, he's on the right side of the altar of incense. And here's the setup. The setup is that if he's on the right side of the altar of incense, surely this faithful Jewish priest would know that that is the side that represents God's favor. Secondly, secondly, when he shows up to Zechariah, you've got to understand that he introduces himself as the angel Gabriel. Automatically, Zechariah, as a faithful priest, should know, because of his training in the Word of God, he should know of this Gabriel in the book of Daniel and his association with the coming Messiah. When Gabriel shows up, it's a Messiah-related announcement. And then thirdly, several of, uh, of the, the what we would call the Old Testament, but 
what is called the, the Hebraic, the, the Hebrew scriptures. There are several allusions, several powerful allusions of the, of the Hebrew scriptures pointing to Messiah that's related to this son that Zechariah is going to have that were intended to spark faith in that which Gabriel was announcing to Zechariah. And with all of this, here's the response that Zechariah gives to the angel Gabriel, who's been sent to give this announcement. Here's the response. The response is captured for us beginning in verse 18. The Bible says, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you don't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Whoa. Whoa. As a matter of fact, see, Gabriel here is probably expecting at the, at the, this astonishing, at this awesome answer to Zachariah's prayer. They've been praying for a child. They've been praying for a son. The angel Gabriel is probably like, okay, I'm going to drop this on them. And then I, I just know Zechariah, he's going to break out in praise and thanksgiving to Yahweh. And I just know I'm just going to stand back and let him get his praise on. Right. But did you catch the tone of the angel Gabriel just now? I mean, the angel Gabriel sounds straight up ticked off. Right. And what's frustrating the angel Gabriel? What's getting him so upset? What's getting him riled up right now? Well, one, you can almost just imagine him saying to himself, wait, I just came from the celestial courts of glory. I, I, I went through the, 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 the galaxies. I came through the Milky Way. I went through Orion. I came straight here. I was warding off fallen angels and demons to get to you. And here I am from the presence of God. I, I'm Gabriel. I'm in the Bible. I'm in your book. I mean, I'm associated with Messiah. Did you hear what I just said? So you can kind of get that kind of sense of frustration. But here's the thing. He is talking, he is talking to this Levitical priest, right? He's talking to Zechariah. And what he's sharing with Zechariah clearly is intended by God to stir up faith in the heart of Zechariah. Zechariah has privilege. Zechariah has spiritual advantages, right? Zechariah is, is someone who, when he hears this word coming from Gabriel, Gabriel's expecting him to, to respond in faith. But instead, he finds unbelief. As a matter of fact, what's probably upsetting Zechariah here, what's probably upsetting rather Gabriel here, is that Zechariah's question was about how he could be, watch this, sure, sure that God would do what he said. He was unsure. He doubted, right? He doubted whether God was actually going to do what he sent the angel Gabriel to tell him he was going to do. Okay? So the, 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 the question here is, is why is he 
doubting the word of God, given everything we know about Zechariah. And not only is he doubting God's word, he's doubting God's word. Watch this. Listen, in light of evidence, spiritual advantages and privileges. I mean, apparently Zechariah's uh, spiritual privileges and advantages did not prevent him from doubting the word of God. Now, I want you to also catch the poetic justice in what just happens here. Because, because Zechariah will not trust the word of God, then he will not be able to utter a word until what God has spoken comes to pass. You're unsure of God's word, then you're not going to be able to speak a word. And here's what we're learning. Here's what we're learning here from the story of Zechariah so far. What we're learning here is that faith in the faithfulness of God's word is hindered when apparent delay tempts you to doubt. Faith in the faithfulness of God's word is hindered when apparent delay tempts you to doubt the word of God. I mean, just think about it for a moment. Zechariah and Elizabeth have been faithful to Yahweh at a time when I'm telling you the priests of that time culturally, historically, in the context of the day, were unfaithful to Yahweh. They had prayed for a long time that God would give them a son, right? They were expecting a child. And look, the social stigma, the cultural shame, and the disgrace that was connected to being barren. I mean, it was rough. And look, yes, there was the echoes in this story. They knew of the history of Abraham and Sarah who needed to trust God's promise and his word that they would receive a son, a son of promise in their old age. But they had interpreted God, Zechariah and Elizabeth, had somehow interpreted God's delay, his apparent delay to be denial. I love to watch my kids get excited when I come in and I say, what time is it? And then they'll get all excited and they'll say enthusiastically, it's snack time. And then they'll dash out the room as I go and I get to start preparing the snack. And, and, and I just love watching, especially my son, because just by anticipating what I just said is about to happen, my son will take off and do a victory lap and start shouting. Right. And then my daughter will will get in position at the table because she's already anticipating. She's excited about about receiving the thing that daddy just said she was getting ready to receive. Right. I mean, they haven't received it yet. Are you listening? They haven't received the thing that I told them they were going to get. But just in watching daddy prepare. <laughs> just in watching daddy get ready to do the thing that he said he was getting ready to do. They get excited. They get enthusiastic. They're pumped up because they believe that daddy is about to deliver on his word. But then something happens. Something happens that often happens to us. When they somehow seem to get the, the sense that daddy is, is delaying in delivering on his word then they try to go and handle this thing all by themselves and they frustrate themselves trying to attempt to get the snack all by themselves. And sometimes what happens with us when it comes to us waiting on the word and the fulfillment of the word of our heavenly father, when we get impatient when we wait on God, 
Sometimes what happens with us is that we actually will continue in the religious motions, ritualistically, because to everybody else, we can look faithful to God. But deep down in our hearts, we don't actually trust that God is going to do for us that he says he's going to do. That's right. And this is exactly what happened to Zechariah. Zechariah had reached this place where he's still faithful, but he's, but he's doubting. He's, he, he's still looking like he's, like he's going through all the services. He's doing that which a priest is supposed to do. He's still going to, to synagogue. He's still serving at the temple. But deep down in his heart, God has taken too long. And maybe God isn't going to do for me that which he said he's going to do. And I'm wondering if that's anybody here right now that's listening to me right now. I wonder if you're in that place where you're just going through the motions. I want you to listen to what Auntie Ellen says in her book, The Desire of Ages, commenting on this experience of Zechariah. She says this in page 98. She says, Zechariah well knew how to Abraham in his old age, a child was given because he believed him faithful who, would, who had promised. But for a moment, the aged priest turns his thought to human weakness. He forgets that what God has promised, he is able to perform. And it also seems like Elizabeth may have been caught up in this doubt because the Bible says there in verse 24 that she stayed in seclusion for five months, probably to be sure that this thing was actually legit going to happen. Because can you imagine if on top of being barren and all the shame and stigma that, that that's associated with that, that this thing that she said, that she says the angel told her husband doesn't come to pass. I mean, that's just, that's just shame on top of shame. And so she's in seclusion for five months, even though the word of the Lord is spoken, even though she's probably feeling the kicks, even though she's going through those, those things that women go through when they're pregnant. She waits five months before she, before she even, it makes it known that she's pregnant. But I want you to understand something about the character of God. Even though Zechariah doubted the faithfulness of God's word, God still loved this faithful Jewish priest. He was going to turn the doubt and the rebuke into an opportunity for rejoicing. He was going to actually fulfill that which he said he was going to do because the angel said to him when he rebuked him, he says, you're not going to be able to speak until. And I just love that he adds that there. That until is so important for those of us that may be struggling with doubt and you need some hope right now. God says, until. Zechariah would not be able to speak until God finally delivered nine months down the road on his word. He would not be able to speak until Elizabeth gave birth to John the Baptist. Until. He was rebuked. Until. God actually delivered on his word. Maybe you'll believe me then, Zechariah. Maybe you'll trust in me then when you actually see me do that thing which I said I'm going to do. Friends, it's not just important to have believed at some point, at some time in the past. Maybe when you gave your life over to Jesus. It's not just important to believe back then. You've got to continue in belief. You've got to keep trusting in Jesus, right? Uh, what may seem like a delay on God's part does not necessarily mean denial. 
Listen to me. It doesn't necessarily mean that God said no. He might be saying it's not yet. Listen, God is always on time. Yo, trust me, God, he's got this. He really does. He knows what you need. and He's going to come through on that which he said he's going to do. And so it becomes critically important. It becomes critically important for us to develop, to cultivate the kind of trust that is anchored by focusing on the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. You need to know his character of unfailing love while you're waiting. When you can't quite trace out what he's doing, you know his heart. And you know that he's going to come through on that which he said he's going to do. And this also is very important for us to place ourselves in environments where our hearts, our souls can be anchored in the word of God. That means that it's important for us not to neglect the assembling of ourselves together. I know we're in a pandemic, but trust me, we need to be connected to the body of Christ. I'm going to say it again. I know we're in a pandemic, but whether virtually, which it's probably going to need to be for a little while, or in person with CDC guidelines in place with a small group of people, it's very important for us to stay connected to the body of Christ. Why? Because the Bible says not to forsake or neglect the assembling of ourselves together, especially as we see the day approaching. And trust me, family, when I tell you under the authority of the word of God, the day of the soon appearing of the second coming of Jesus Christ is at hand. It's about to go down. But trust me, Jesus says you're going to need to be connected, whether it's virtually or in person with CDC guidelines in place in a small setting. I'm telling you, we need to stay together. Why? You need to hear the word of God being preached and taught to anchor your soul in the gospel, to anchor your soul in faith in God and through Jesus Christ. You need to hear the testimonies of your brothers and sisters that are trusting in Jesus. You need to hear the word of God revealing the love of God revealed in Christ so that your heart can trust in him and that he can stay your mind on Jesus and cement you in the truth of his word so that you can make it through this waiting period. So that your heart can be saturated and anchored in the gospel. Now Luke takes us to a small little village in Galilee to a town called Nazareth. And I can just imagine there we see this teenage girl going about her, her daily chores, maybe around the house. And understand that, that this, this, this girl, Mary, who's a teenager, she's a young person, doesn't have the, the wisdom and experience that comes with age that Zechariah had. She does not have all of the spiritual privileges and advantages that he has. And because of the patriarchal society and culture that they were steeped in there in the first century, she is not being respected or honored as a man would be in her time. And to make matters worse, the town and village of Nazareth was notorious for having a bad reputation. She is entered and she is introduced in this story at a disadvantage. But watch her response to the announcement that comes from Gabriel, beginning in verse 34. The Bible says this, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. 
The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Notice Mary's question wasn't about how she can be sure that God would do what he said, but rather about how he would do what he said. It was more of an inquiry of a humble child seeking to learn something. This is why the angel Gabriel, rather than rebuke Mary, listen, rather than rebuke Mary, he gives her an explanation as to how God would do what he said. This is because, listen, faith in God's word is enhanced when you have an attitude of a humble child seeking to learn. My wife and I have created a word. It's a word that describes a particular attitude of a certain kind of person that we have observed from time to time. Maybe this could be the person that you see in the mirror or someone that you've observed maybe in a classroom or in a business meeting or any kind of meeting or the like. It's the kind of person that maybe raises their hand and begins to ask what seems to be a question, but then strangely gets turned into a statement or an answer. It's the kind of person that obviously wants to be the teacher in any given situation. It's the kind of person who is posing as a student, but really wants to be the teacher and wants to teach you. It's the kind of person that, that, that cannot be taught because they lack the humility to be taught something because they think they know and need to teach you. This is the kind of person that cannot be discipled into a follower of Jesus until they are either that they humble themselves or they're humbled by difficult life situations that put them then finally in a posture of being humble and teachable so that they can learn to trust and have faith in Yahweh. And this is the kind of humble, childlike, desiring to learn attitude that Mary displayed. Mary's spiritual and social disadvantages did not keep her from trusting in God's word. As we can already see, she, she, she didn't have the, the, the advantages that Zechariah had, but she trusted the word of God. Anyway, as a matter of fact, because she demonstrated this childlike humility and faith and desire to learn, she was then trusted, watch this, with more information as evidence to anchor her faith even deeper. The, the angel Gabriel tells her, hey, Elizabeth has, had a, has been pregnant for six months. She's in her sixth month of pregnancy. And he's basically saying to her, you can trust in the word of God. Matter of fact, he'll say God's word will never fail. See, what he's in essence saying is, Mary, because Elizabeth trusted in God's word, which never fails, then you can trust in God's word that never fails. And now, I turn to you and say, look, based on what we're seeing in the word of God, based on the authority of the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, watch this, the Gabriel is saying to you, he's saying, you can trust in God's word. It will never fail. God's got this. What he says is going to come to pass. You can take it to the bank, my friend.
The word of God will never fail, Gabriel says. I love that he puts that at the end of his statement there, at the end of his speech to Mary. Because then she basically says, look, I'm the servant of the Lord. Whatever you say, Gabriel, may it come to pass. I trust in what God said. Let it happen. Amen. Let it be done. And family, I want to tell you, if you want to be anchored in faith, if you want to trust in the word of God, then I, I, I got to tell you, you've got to have this type of faith that Mary is displaying for us today. You see, Mary is teaching us here that you're never too young to trust in God's word for him to use you in a powerful way. But watch this. You don't have to be young in order to have childlike faith and for God to use you in a powerful way. All you need to do is have a humble, childlike faith that simply wants to learn. You're, you're, you have a heart that says, God, I don't know exactly what you're doing, but, but, but I know your character revealed in Jesus and I trust in you. Can you just show me how this is gonna happen? Look, I, I don't know, Mary's saying, how a virgin can have a child, but can you just, can you just show me how? You're going to do this? Can you give me some insight? Can you give me some wisdom here? And this is critically important for those of us that find ourselves now in the last days of this earth's history, because Jesus says, referring to when he comes, he says, will the son of man find faith on the earth? When he comes, will he find faith on the earth? Because when he comes, it's going to appear as if he had delayed his appearing. And unfortunately for some of us, if we don't have this type of humble type of attitude that trusts in Jesus with a childlike faith that just seeks to learn, then watch this. We see the delay and we start to act as if he's never really going to come. And then his coming catches us off guard. Friends, I want to tell you, Zechariah and Mary's stories urge us towards faith in the faithfulness of God's word. This is, what this, this is what's behind their questions and it's the difference between their questions. Because faith in the faithfulness of God's word is hindered when apparent delay tempts you to doubt, yet enhanced when you have the attitude of a humble child seeking to learn. This is the kind of faith that is sparked as we look at the love of God revealed in Jesus and Him crucified for our salvation. The good news about the salvation that Jesus has already provided for you as a gift, that He's already secured for you at the cross, is that it's by grace through faith. But it's the kind of faith that needs to be nurtured. It's the kind of faith that needs to be cultivated. It's the kind of faith that you can't just have just when you got baptized some years ago. You gotta continue in faith. You gotta keep trusting in the grace of God. You gotta keep trusting that Jesus, his grace is sufficient for you. You've gotta know that God's character is love and that God is compassionate, that God is merciful. You've gotta keep that at the center and at the forefront of your mind. And so how do we get this faith? Remember, salvation is by grace through faith. How do we get this faith? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That also means, you can see this in the New Living Translation, by the good news. You see, the Bible, 
is the source. It's the unfolding story of the good news from Genesis to Revelation of the good news of Jesus Christ and him crucified for your salvation. You need a daily steady diet of the word of God with Jesus as the central focus. You need to be reading and meditating and journaling, I recommend, through scripture in, a, in an intimate relationship with Jesus Messiah. And you'll have faith in the faithfulness of God's word. Who believes God's word today? How's your faith today? It's this good news that, that sparks and maintains your faith in the grace and in the character of God, which is love. And I want to pray for you. I want to invite you right now. You may want to respond even to the connect card that's here, that's prompting you. And I want you to allow us to help you take the next step to learn how to have that type of intimate relationship with Jesus where you trust in the faithfulness of his word because Jesus' word made flesh. And when he went to the cross and when he died for your salvation, when he took all of your mistakes and sins upon himself and gave you credit for his righteous holy life and continues to as you keep trusting in him, he says, I want to gift you with the kind of faith that's going to get you through this pandemic or whatever crisis comes in the future all the way until he returns. Can I pray for you right now? Father in heaven, thank you for revealing through Jesus and him crucified the kind of God that you are that sparks and arouses our faith and our trust and our confidence in you and in your word. What you said is going to come to pass and will never fail. Help this person, my, my brother and my sister watching this, to take that step, that initial step of faith, to simply respond to Jesus, to respond to the good news, and to then now learn how to, as a follower of Jesus, take those next steps being a faithful follower of Jesus. I pray this right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. I love all of you and I can't wait so we can get together again and do this on another Sabbath or whenever you're watching this, maybe in the rebroadcast. God bless you. Remember, Jesus is coming again, but it's the same Jesus who went to that cross for you and wants to anchor you in faith so that when he comes again, he'll find somebody with some faith. Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. 
If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.